Welcome to FOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. Turn with me to Romans chapter 1. I want to say I was talking to a friend of mine on the phone the other day, and he said something that kind of like made me think of uh, kind of place I've been spiritually, um, uh, because I'm going to be honest, for like the last month, I haven't what we call felt God. You guys know what I'm talking about? When you get all excited and like, ooh, Lord, good. Like, you know, can't wait to get in the Bible. You're like, this is great. I haven't felt that. Um, but I've been consistent in my time in the Word and consistent in my time in prayer despite the lack of the, the feeling. I was talking to my friend, and we weren't talking about that, but he said, you know, I know my wife loves me, and we're not having any problems at all, but I just... I just haven't heard her say, like, man, you're handsome today in a while. Or, honey, you're just the best. Like, like I, just, I just haven't heard it in a while. And I know it's just, she's busy. I know she loves me. She says I love you, but it's just the, the little, right, the feeling, right? And um, I, I, I was like, man, um, so I guess homework assignment, flirt with your spouse today, I don't know, um, but uh, it'll make them feel good. Uh, but, but how many know it's not about just the feeling that love is a choice, not just a feeling, right? And that's why he's saying we're okay, there's no problem, we're going to keep choosing each other, right? But it's fun when the, there's the feeling, um, too. And that was my cry this morning. I was like, God, you know, like, I just, I want, I want to know you're close. And this morning, what happened is I was driving, um, I was driving in from Tulsa this morning to be in service today. I was just praying, and, and the Lord, what he said to me is, he's like, I want People that come to Forerunner to know the freedom that is in Jesus Christ, right? And as I began to think about that, all of a sudden I began to get excited about the freedom that comes in knowing Jesus Christ. And this morning I wanted to declare to you freedom. Before I knew it, I was just like all in tears wondering if I was going to have to pull over the car because I was thinking about the freedom that comes in knowing Jesus Christ. I mean, you've ever been there. And then uh, about 30 minutes into that, I was like, oh, oh, I'm feeling Jesus. It was just a, a byproduct that I wasn't even thinking about at the time. I was like, woo. Um, and so this morning, I was like, thank you, God, for that. How many know we don't serve God so that he'll make us feel good, though? That's not the point. The point is that there is truly freedom in knowing Jesus Christ. And this morning, I just want to take a brief moment to declare a very simple and yet profound 
outline of what is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A lot of times we call this the Roman road. Uh, so if you're in Romans chapter 1, this is what it says. We're going to go to verse 19. Actually, we're going to back up to 18. It says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because he has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his, his eternal power and divine nature, has been clearly perceived. Say clearly perceived. Has been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So they are without excuse. This morning I want you to let you know that all people have a knowledge that God exists. All people. Even atheists have knowledge that God exists. They're like, no, they don't. They're atheists. Listen, the, the very fact, it's what C.S. Lewis calls the moral ought. The way he put it was, you can give a kid a little bit of orange, and another kid comes over and grabs it and takes it away, and kid number one's like, wait a minute, that was my orange. Why did you take that from me? That was wrong. Even at a young age, we know the difference from right and wrong, and where does that come from? Ladies and gentlemen, if the world is nothing but a big bang and molecules that are floating out into the universe and somehow collected into these little single-cell organisms that evolved into us, then all we are this morning is stardust that happens to be sitting in this room. And if that's all we are, if we're nothing more than a collection of atoms, ladies and gentlemen, it does not matter what you do. It does not matter what I do. I can take all of your oranges and not care at all how it affects you. But how many know this morning that we're more than just a collection of atoms? That we have a purpose, we have a plan, we have a destiny. So inside of us, we know that all of this started somehow. Even science itself tells us that there's a beginning. There must be a beginning. There's the law of conservation of mass. There's the law of conservation of energy, which basically says you cannot create uh, something from nothing. Which means if there's a beginning, there has to be someone who was there at the beginning, that there is a God. And what we try to do is we try to explain him away, even though he's very obviously there. I was listening to some... Uh, guy, a guy who was actually an atheist, he's not a Christian, but he calls himself a deist, if you don't know what that is. That's someone who believes in God, but not necessarily the Christian God. And he said, you know, I had to turn away from atheism because I, he's a numbers guy, right? He studies numbers. And he goes, the number of, of just information points in your DNA is so complex that the timeline the evolutionists say that it took from going from a single cell organism to us. He goes, the statistical probability of the timeline of the amount of information DNA is it's it's grossly inadequate. You would need so much more time than that to get to where we are today. And he said, so I had to become a deist because there's just there has to be someone in control of the data points along the way. There's no way we could be here. So 
I was like, man, even creation screams out, there has to be someone at the beginning of this thing. But we know that it is Jesus Christ who is at the beginning of time, that in the beginning God said, let there be light, and there was light. All people have knowledge of God. You know there's a God. You know it when you lay your head on your pillow at night and you feel guilty for the things you did that day that you know you shouldn't have done. You feel it. It weighs on you. That conviction of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You're like, I shouldn't have done that, especially before you knew Christ. I mean, remember those days. Those days before you knew Christ. And the guilt and the shame that you would carry in your heart. Romans 121 says this, if we continue on. Verse 22, excuse me, now 21. It says, for although they knew God, they did not give him honor as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts became darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Ladies and gentlemen, all of us have rejected God. Every person has rejected God. We see that in our culture. People try to explain away God with with science. Do you realize that's just man worshiping itself? That, That an atheist who just believes in science, they're just worshiping man. We're worshiping ourselves and our knowledge. Of course, we look throughout history of of the different cultures that will worship statues or worship creation or worship Mother Nature, the trees or whatever it is. Like, we reject God and even we in this room are guilty of it. Even if you grew up in a Christian home, you're guilty of rejecting God. And I know it because there's been times that you knew the right thing to do and instead you intentionally chose the wrong thing. Wes was right today that that uh, Adam, back in the Garden of Eden, he, he gave us a bum deal, right? But the reality is, if you were Adam, you would have done the same thing. Because you have done that before. You've rejected God when you knew the right thing to do. You pushed him away. And we say, what about, what about the, um, the people in Africa or, or Asia that have never heard the message of the gospel? Won't God be a little nicer to him? But according to this passage right here is that God is evident to them. He is evident to them. And we say, well, maybe they're only held accountable then if they hear the message of Jesus Christ. Well, if that's the case, then let's stop talking about Jesus. If people are only held accountable for their knowledge of Jesus if they heard of him, then we should stop sending missionaries because the worst thing we could do then is tell them about Jesus and then, and then they reject him. As long as they don't know, they don't have to be held accountable. Let's stop funding the Gideons to send Bibles around the world. Because the moment they hold the Bible in their hand, then they're without excuse. But that's not what Romans says. It says that all of us are out ex- without excuse. That God is clearly perceived in creation. In chapter 3, if you'll flip over there to me, 
It says this in verse 10. It says, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. The throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. That's a, a, a poisonous snake. Their mouths is full of curses and, and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood and their paths are ruin and misery and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. No one is righteous. The reality is there is no one innocent. The innocent guy in Africa does not exist. No one is innocent, not even one. And we all stand, if we look over in verse 19, says, now we know whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, the whole world may be held accountable to God. Say the whole world. The whole world may be held accountable to God. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Here's the reality. It's saying that you cannot be good enough to save yourself. Verse 24, by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. The law, what is the law? The law is in the Old Testament. It's like the Ten Commandments. You do all these things, and then you're good. And what this is saying, you can do all the right things even, and still be condemned before God. That's incredibly insane. Like Paul, who's writing to the Romans, who are you trying to convince to be on your side here? They're saying, even if you are the most perfect person, the nicest guy, you're a nice guy. Cole, anybody know Cole? If you don't know Cole, he's a no Cole. He's a nice guy. But you can check off every list of doing all the right things, and you still stand condemned before God. Because the law will never save you. Your works will never save you. So this morning I said I came to declare freedom. And right now you might be saying, this is kind of a heavy message, Pastor Drew. But here's the reality. You don't know that you need a surgeon until you know that you have a tumor growing inside you. You don't know you need a doctor unless you realize hey, there's something bad going on inside me. You have to understand the diagnosis first before you agree to be worked on. And this morning, I'm saying all of mankind has a diagnosis, and that is condemned before God. Every single one of us, this is the word of God that I'm reading out of this morning. And so this morning, if, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you need to take this with the heaviness that Paul intended it for it to be and realize that every person you know that hasn't accepted Jesus Christ is under this weight of guilt and shame and condemnation that is true and that hell is a real place. Uh, some will teach, well, hell is a, a metaphor that the Bible teaches about separation from God. 
from God. And, and I would say that doesn't make it any better. I, I believe Scripture teaches hell is real, but even if it is just a metaphor, that doesn't make it any better. In fact, in my mind, that makes it worse. You mean this is just a metaphor? But how many know that there's freedom in Jesus Christ this morning? In, in Romans chapter 3, verse 21, we see one of the, the biggest shifts in Scripture. Because if you go back, and sometimes today I encourage you, go back and read Romans 1, 2, and 3, and it's heavy. You think what I'm saying is heavy. It's heavier than the way I'm preaching it this morning. But then we get to verse 21, and it begins to talk like this. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. It's talking about Jesus Christ. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. Bear witness to what? Jesus Christ. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. How many believe in Jesus Christ this morning? It's not because of anything you did. It's because that you believe in Jesus Christ this morning. For there is no distinction, for listen to this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. You must understand that this morning, if you do not know Jesus Christ, you have fallen short of the glory of God. Your coworker has fallen short of the glory of God. Your friend, that family member, they need Jesus. They've fallen short of the glory of God. Of God, but then verse 24 is where we see this wonderful, beautiful shift in scripture, this complete switch in the tone and the language of the writer of Romans here. He says, But they're justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has in faith in Jesus Christ ladies and gentlemen it all boils down to faith in Jesus Christ you're messed up but Jesus was perfect and his blood when he died on the cross that shed blood paid for Drew's sins it paid, even as great as a guy you are, Cole, it paid for your sins. And it's only through that faith in Jesus and what he's done. I would like to say to us this morning, is if I can back away from this message for a second, sometimes we put faith in other things, even as Christians sometimes. We have moments where we put faith in other things. That's how we slip off into sin and other things. One thing, we have faith in our circumstances sometimes more than we have faith in God. They have a name for that. It's called fear. It's called worry. Right? When you have more faith in your circumstance than you do in the Lord. In verse 27, it says this. Then what becomes of boasting? I'm a good guy. Well, it's excluded. 
By what kind of law? By the law of works? No, but the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Then he goes on to say, is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not only the God of the Gentiles? Yes, also the Gentiles. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On contrary, we uphold the law. He's saying just because, just because your works don't save you doesn't mean you're like, hey, you know what? Since my works don't save me, I can do whatever I want. You're not listening, is what he's saying. You can be a good guy, and it won't save you, but, but when the Lord really gets a hold of your heart, there's this desire. There's this desire, this yes in your spirit to everything your king is asking of you. I was talking about it with my guys last week a few times. Like, it, it came up in conversations about, well, three different times it came up. It must have been on me. Um, where, where Paul fights this battle and acts about, hey, you don't need to be circumcised. You don't need to be circumcised. You don't need to be circumcised, right? And then he grabs this guy, Timothy, who wasn't circumcised. Hey, we're going to go tell these Jews about Jesus. And these guys are going to have a problem with the fact that Timothy wasn't circumcised. So you know what Timothy did? He got circumcised. Even though he didn't have to. Even though he didn't, because he wanted to proclaim the goodness of Jesus Christ to those people. He wanted to make sure there were no hang-ups. And isn't that us? Shouldn't that be us? Like, like, what do I need to give up in order that other people can know Jesus more? What do you need to give up in order that people can know Jesus more? Well, this thing isn't necessarily a sin. Maybe it's not. But is it bringing the righteousness of God to the people around you? Are they seeing the Lord clearly through you? Flip over to Romans chapter 10. And this is the crux of the matter because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord is the Lord of all bestowing riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. My question for you this morning is, have you called on the name of the Lord? And I'll say this morning, if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Like there's freedom. Like we keep turning to other things for freedom, to relationships, to, to, to TV, to maybe maybe drugs or prescription drugs or illegal drugs, whatever it is, or alcohol, whatever the thing is, but there's only true freedom in knowing Jesus. And this morning, how many of you ever experienced that freedom this morning? Okay, if you experience that freedom, I, I mean, I know it's a little warm in here, 
uh, and you're getting a little hungry, but like, I've experienced that true freedom. Like, I don't know. Like, like, I mean, for me, it's like, yes, right? Like, like, can I, can I pull it back to the beginning of the sermon here for just a second? Like, my friend who just wants his wife to tell him that he's handsome, what if, what if this morning we just told the Lord you're awesome? Like, that's the Lord's desire from us, too. Like, he just, like, that's what praise is. It's just us being like, God, you're awesome. And we can do that like, yeah, Lord, you're good. I almost preached on praise and worship this morning, and I changed it to this. Uh, but, but, yeah, Lord, but, but what if, like, like, what if when we came in here next week for worship, and it came time to worship, we were like, you know what, Lord? I'm just totally going to worship you crazily this morning because you're awesome. The same way you like it when people go on and on about you. Right? You like it. You like it. And then we, then we have to deal with your pride a little bit. But that's fine. Right? We'll deal with that. But you like it when people go on and on about you. Like, oh, you dress nice today. Or, or you look good today. Or, man... You work so hard today, like whatever the thing is that gets you, right? But how many know God is good today, right? And that he set you free today. Like that makes me want to get excited. And I know all of us have different personalities. Some of us are, are more shy and then some of us are more like, like, ooh, I'll talk. I'll tell you stuff, right? And, and I know that's me. But this morning I'm saying God is so good. He brings so much freedom that the thing you thought you needed to make you feel better, you won't even miss it anymore. Right? Like you don't even miss alcohol anymore. You don't even miss drugs anymore. You don't even miss porn anymore. You don't even miss that toxic relationship anymore because you have Jesus. And he fulfills the desires, the deepest desires of your soul. So, so much so that this last month when I wasn't feeling God, I was like, I'm sticking with this because I know that it's more fulfilling being bored in this than excited about something else because there's freedom in Jesus Christ this morning. There's freedom in the name of Jesus. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so this morning, if you're a believer, if you have said yes to Jesus, now, this is your great commission to go and declare this message to those around you. You have lost friends. And, and gone are the days. We have to stop relying on just the positive, uplifting uh, positivity of our lives to bring freedom to them. Like, at some point, you're going to have to mention the name of Jesus. Well, I'm just trying to be a good person to them. Keep doing that, but at some point, you're going to have to say the name of Jesus to someone for them to come to him. Are you with me? It's important to sow seeds. But sometimes what we call sowing seeds is us chickening out. Right? Well, I just sowed some seeds today. No, you were too chicken to say the name Jesus Christ. This morning, Drew is free. 
not because of anything Drew did. It's because Jesus was like, hi, Drew, and just dumped this bucket load of grace all over me, like the riches of his grace on me. And now I'm like, wow. Wow. God, you're amazing. And so when you walk into Neighbor's Mill and you see somebody sick, hey, I've got this big bucket of grace that just been dumped on me. Would you like some? Here you go. Let me dump some on you. Like, like, that's the true life that is in Jesus Christ. That's the true hope that is in Jesus Christ. That it, like, it's never been about me. It's always been about him. Will you stand with me for a moment? I'd encourage you this week to go back and read Romans. I, I just wanted to go back to the very beginning of this whole thing today. I just wanted to go back to the start. What is the message of the gospel? The message is that you're separated from God in your sin, even the best of you in here, and it's only through the grace of God that we are saved. Have you ever done this thing I feel like I should have someone playing right now. You just embrace the awkward silence. It's fine. You're good. Um, have you ever done that thing where uh, um, you know you need to have a conversation some, with someone and you start arguing with them in their head before they even walk in the door? You ever do that? You, have you done it? You've never, you just wait. Give it time. It'll happen. Wait till you get it. Wait till you get that significant other in your life. It, it comes, right? And you're like, oh, yeah? Well, they're going to say this, and then I'm going to say this. And then they're going to say that, and I'm going to say, you've done it. You've done it, and it spirals out of control. And by the time they walk in the door, it's just, blah. And you're just like, ooh. And then later you're like, oh, that was all on me um, because I had this fake imaginary like that's did you know the scripture says that's how things happen like like these thoughts they manifest into actions like you're always moving in the direction of your strongest thought did you know that you're always moving in the direction of your strongest thought so so let's take that you guys all know that that exists right it, it happens with sin too we imagine ourselves well I, I could do this I could get away with that and then the next thing we know, it's happening, right? Um, but let's take that thing that we know happens inside of us and let's, let's use it for righteousness sake. Instead of that argument with our spouse or coworker or boss or whoever it is, what if we started imagining, okay, first, I'm gonna bring up this awesome thing that the Lord did for me. And then, then I'm gonna talk about how God changed my life when I was a teenager or whenever it was for you. And then I'm going to start talking to them about what I read in the scripture the other day where it talks about newness of life in Jesus Christ. And then, and can I tell you, as you think through that, your heart might start beating a little fast because I don't know how they'll respond. I don't know what they'll say. I don't know what they'll do, right? But they could say this, and then I'll say that, and then they'll say this, and then I'll say, right? 
Like the same thing we do to totally annihilate our spouse, now we use it to glorify Christ. We have these imagine, like, I'm going to walk into Walmart, and they're going to be sitting there in the wheelchair, and I'm going to walk up to them, and I'm like, hey, can I pray for you? Like, imagine yourself doing things that the Scripture says you should do. And then see what happens. See how many lives are changed with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who will you impact with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ this week? Bow your heads. This morning, if you're saying, I don't know Jesus, I've never met the man Christ Jesus. I, I have not believed in him, but I want to this morning. If that's you this morning, will you just just look me in the eye right now? Just look at me. Amen. 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 We're going to pray. And there's nothing special or magical about this prayer. We're just going to talk to God. Father God, Right now, we come before you in the name of Jesus. God, and I thank you for these, Lord, who have said, just be, believers begin to pray. Lord, I thank you for these who have this morning said, Lord, I, I don't know him. I, I've never met the man, Christ Jesus. Father God, I, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would just become so real to them in this moment. Father God, I thank you for your death on the cross that took away all of our sin and all of our shame, Father God. And I thank you for the newness of life that we get just the way you rose from the dead, Father God. We are a new creation, Father God, and we have a new righteousness that we no longer stand condemned before you because of the blood of Jesus. God, I thank you for the freedom that we have as believers. And everyone just put a hand on your heart. Father God, I pray for every believer in this room. Lord God, I pray, Lord, that deep in their spirit, that deep in their hearts, Father God, Lord God, that you would put an overwhelming urgency to proclaim the gospel to the lost. Lord God, that you would put an overwhelming urgency to clearly communicate the message of the gospel. That Jesus would be made famous in their conversations. That Jesus would be made famous Lord God, in their workplace, in their family, Father God. And, and more than any of it, God, I, I pray that, Lord Jesus, you would be made famous in their imagination. Lord God, give them daydreams of proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ and that they would continue to think that way until, Lord, it manifests in their actions, God. And I thank you for everything that you're gonna do in us And through us, Father God, I pray for a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit on this congregation. God, I thank you, Lord God, that you sent your Holy Spirit to empower your believers to proclaim your word. God, I pray this week, Lord God, as they abide in you, as they sit alone with you, Father God, Lord Jesus, that you would just fuel them with the power of the Holy Spirit as they go forth, Lord God, into the harvest field, Father God. Lord Jesus, to to tell others of the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I thank you for everything you're going to do in us and through us. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.
Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.